0: The dry bones are coming back to life. the dry bones are coming back to life. Oh, somebody shout to the Lord! Say, I love this scripture. I felt the Lord just drop this scripture into my spirit. It says that. The church reveals the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers. Think about this. I'm just going to begin. Think of this, guys. The scripture that says, For he has made it that the church would reveal the manifold wisdom, the multi-dimensional wisdom of God to principalities and powers, not just to people, but to the heavens. Think about this. Like God has actually made it, okay, that the church would reveal through music, through song, through prophecy, through teaching. What if right now, as I'm preaching, that I'm actually declaring the wisdom of God right now, not just in a room of people in a bar, but what if right now I'm actually declaring the mysteries and the wisdom of God to the heavens, yes. to the principalities and powers that have long set right here over Bourbon Street you know if that is the case then that means this not only would our preaching actually affect what's happening in the principalities and powers and, and, and in the heavenlies and the spiritual realm but when we worship our songs aren't just giving us goosebumps and worship but our worship is actually shifting and revealing yeah. Yeah. Jesus yeah. to the heavenlies well you say you know why is that important that's important because Anytime Jesus is magnified and lifted up, he draws all men to himself, number one. And number two, anytime Jesus is enthroned in a geographical area, literally in praise, in worship, what happens is we're revealing the beauty of who he is, the wisdom of God. We're revealing the, 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 the mysteries, the, the, the wonder of who he is to the heavenlies. That's important because any principalities and powers that are present, you know, Ephesians 6, we all know the scripture, right? Like, we, it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, forces of darkness in the heavenlies. I, I don't know if you know this, but anything that's happening in the natural realm, it has its origin in the spiritual realm. So, like, when you go up and down Bourbon Street and you see witches and voodoo, And you see strip clubs and you see debauchery and you see wickedness of every kind. You got to understand that what's happening actually originated in the spiritual realm. Everything we're seeing, and we know this because Hebrews 11 says this. Hebrews 11 says the worlds were formed. Hebrews 11 too, as a matter of fact, the worlds were formed by the word God. Of God, so that we would understand that what is seen was created by what is unseen. So the spiritual realm creates everything we see. If that is the truth, that means what we see on Bourbon Street happening, guys, in a really natural way. I mean, everything from the spirit of murder, the spirit of, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's everything, the spirit of, of adultery, the spirit of debauchery, and, and, and everything you see, everything is it's just really hiding behind what's going on in the spiritual realm. That's why... If nobody is going to come to those areas and reveal the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers, because I'm not wrestling against the pimp on the corner. I'm not wrestling against the dope man on the corner. I'm not wrestling against the strip club and the brothel down here. I'm not wrestling against these people that are, we, we can't demonize people. When people become demonized and they become our enemies, we lose sight. We can't love him. We, we're at a point in our country right now where we can't even... The, the political divide secretly. And, and it's like leaven. You know, I love that Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of religion. Or the Pharisee. Beware the leaven of Herod. Or aka politics. The political leaven. It's not an overt meal. You're not sitting down and going, You know what? I'll tell you what. No Christian ever sat down and said... I've decided I'm going to become political today. I'm going to co- consume my life with politics. No, it starts like leaven. You know what leaven is? Leaven is like a seed. Leaven is like a little bit that's sown into a whole big bit, and it eventually takes over the whole part, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said this. He said that beware the leaven of Herod, the leaven of the political spirit because it comes in slow and then it takes over the whole part. Listen, if people become my enemy because I'm so consumed with that leaven and they're the enemy and that person's the enemy, guess what happens? We can't love our enemies anymore because they're actually the enemy. So the concept of loving your enemy relies entirely on the idea, guys, entirely on the idea that we understand we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Do you understand that? If if I get in my mind, you're evil because you think differently than me and you live different than, than me, and my God, let's not even talk about look differently than me. The racist spirit, It's. I mean, you look different, you sound different, you don't think like I do, you have values that are different than mine, so therefore you are my enemy, and I have to overtake you at all costs. That is not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom says... I can love you because even though, first of all, let me just say, although I think you may be wrong, one of the first steps to humility is realizing this, and it is a truth bomb, and by the way, it might evade you because it's so simple, but it's this, I might be wrong. Uh-oh. I might actually yeah. be wrong about something. With all that being said, guys, listen, if we keep this idea of wrestling with flesh and blood, we are never going to save a city. I've watched people in the city of New Orleans that I've met and this is what they say to me and all in the region they go I, I can't stand the French court I can't stand Bourbon Street from a natural perspective I get it it's like of course you don't want to go down there it's wild it's crazy it's smelly it's this it's that it's it's spiritually just insane I understand why you wouldn't but here's what I, I want to propose to 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 what we're doing it's like well if we're not gonna go down there and actually reveal the manifold wisdom of God through worship, through song, through preaching, through loving the poor. If we're not going to do that, who else is? Right. So you're just saying, oh, well, the devil has has his ground. Yeah. Can I tell you, I love this idea. The enemy will only, he, he tries to take the places of greatest destiny. He's only fighting for the places that actually mean something. He's strategic. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, you're right. There's not as much evil... In Covington uh, on the North Shore. You know why? Maybe maybe Yeah, it's a little more hidden, yeah. The up and outers, not the down and outers. Maybe it's because the enemy sees something of destiny on this this strip of, of land right here and says, I need that. I want that place. So if the kingdom people have this idea, oh they're the enemy, they're dirty, I can cause I mean I I said this before. You guys know the truth. I've talked to enough people to understand and I've experienced it for myself. You know, your church is going to be way bigger if you get the heck out of the French Quarter. Mm Your ministry is going to be a lot easier. And you're going to get all of the nice, pretty suburban people with money in their pockets to give to your church. I'm not against that. The kingdom works on all cylinders. I mean, we need those people. I know, uh, you know, uh, the pastor of the largest underground church movement in Iran right now you can't even know his name. He doesn't even tell his real name to people. But he doesn't have a social media page because he's wanted by the government. But he's leading like thousands and thousands of, of underground uh, of the church in Iran. Now listen, but you know how he survives? From mega churches in the states. So I'm getting that all things work together. We got to be careful about like you're, you know, we're more spiritual than you. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying though is that this ministry, this move of God It really has a purpose, and its purpose is not to, to, you know, take the easy way out. I mean, we could have done that, and and I'm going to take us through sort of a journey here. When we, when this thing broke out, I'm not going to belabor it too much, but when this thing broke out, you know, one of the things that I realized very quickly was we were called to build something other than just host good meetings. We've had we've had enough and we've seen what happens when churches get hit with revival and they say, Okay, this revival, we're gonna have a lot of great meetings. Let's host Morgan meetings, and they have great meetings every night of the week. And then what ultimately happens is they burn out and thus they can't steward the move, the move of God anymore because they're going, you know, we're burnt out, we're tired, we we can't do it anymore. Man, that was a great move, but it's over now. Or Here's what I believe happens and where I believe we're at right now. The Lord, from the fruitfulness of revival, begins to prune. And we mistake pruning as if the Lord were saying, it's over. And so we stop pursuing what He originally gave us because we perceive the, the outward idea of things being shrunk back as, well, it must be over now. And so, when you mistake pruning and seasons of pruning for actually for wilderness, then what? Or, or for it's over now, so I guess we'll go back to things as normal or go back to business as usual. We then misappropriate the season. We abort the move of God and go back to church as usual. And I I just wonder how many, and I know this because I've had that thought. So here's the transparent moment for for, you know, Chris tonight. The transparent moment is this, is that in this last month alone, I've literally been fasting, I've been praying, and I've been asking Jesus, God. Actually, I've been asking a little longer. For the last few months, I've been saying, Lord, is Bourbon Street Revival done? And I've asked that for multiple reasons. One of the reasons I've asked that is because I've watched things shift Mm. I've been at every single Bourbon Street revival meeting I know good daggone well the the heights of the heights that we've been to and we've experienced as a matter of fact it was probably three months ago we had a meeting and I went back home and the meeting was very different than Bourbon Street you gotta think guys I mean look for a year and a half we had gotten some of you 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 understand this we had meetings in here where I'm playing on two guitar strings y'all Two guitars. I mean, think of our church culture. I mean, we're used to like. Y'all, I've played on every stage you can imagine. The smoke, the lights, the transitions, the awesome screen, the awesome sounds, the awesome stuff. Everything's beautiful. And to, to be able to see that and then come in this bar and play with a three piece and an old dirty bar and, 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 and literally have two strings and feel more glory there yeah. than I could have ever. I mean, that's when you have those moments and you go, there's just nothing like this. So we've had those meetings. I have watched things slowly shift. It's almost like I felt like even through COVID, I've been fighting against it. It's almost like the Lord, I, I didn't see this honest to God until my wife, the real prophet of my home, actually, because here's me, here's my home life, I'm David, I'm either way up here or way down here, you know, there's no even keel, my wife is right here, she's just like, you know, so, so when I'm real low, my wife's coming going, no, 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 she's picking me up by the scruff of my neck, kicking me, hitting me like, get up boy, get up, don't feel sorry for yourself, it's time to go. But like, I remember y'all like seeing the Lord shift things. It wasn't until a few days ago, I realized the Lord said, I'm trying to prune you and you're holding back. You're like, don't, don't, don't cut, don't cut. No more, no more shrinking. Even with COVID, I felt like we've been trying to do things as we've normally done them. The Lord's trying to shift us and I'm going, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't, you don't understand Lord. We're, We're having a great time here and the lord's turning back you know turning it down he's 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 bringing it in i'm going to go into this but listen i i I realized about three months ago we had this meeting at bourbon street and it was dry and i also realized there's been this it was so different than normal how many of y'all have been here in some of those and you're going this is not like the first year and a half i wonder what's going on here Mm. you know one of those things i think is really practical we are a thing that people love to come and see, yeah. you know, and because we go we're event oriented by the nature of hey We can only come in the bar at the end of the month at the time And we lived out of town at the time it was like let's do it once a month That how that feels graceful and we did it once a month and it was an event oriented thing But what happened after about two years we've noticed people then come not to participate and to build for the Lord, they were coming to just watch. Like, okay, let me see. Let me see. I bought a plane ticket. I got a hotel room. I've come to see if this is really revival. Let's see. And it was almost like the Pharisees did to Jesus. Show me a sign. Yeah. Show me something. I'm ready. See, that heart posture is where the Lord says no. Yeah. He refuses the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So what happens? is like the Lord never changes. I'm going to tell you what. That right there applies to the president all the way down. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it applies to the to the apostle all the way to the to the person living on the street. Mm-hmm. God gives grace when he sees someone who says, "I need you. I can't do this. I'm, I'm here, posturing my heart, saying I'm ready. Like I I, I want to give something. I want to give of myself." That posture, the Lord comes. But the posture that says, "Show me revival." I heard all the highlights. And sometimes it's not even people with evil hearts. They're just coming because I travel the country and I'm telling the highlights of the revival. <laughs> I went to a, a school and taught. I'm not going to say where, but I went to a school and taught. And bless the Lord, man, these precious, precious kids, fiery, young, radical Jesus lovers were like, they came. And then they came, but they, their heart posture was like, well, show us. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, do revival. Do the, do the revival thing. Impress me Because I've heard of the story So I'm ready Can You you don't know what that feels like To step up Listen I remember when I first started traveling And I would go places And I remember thinking to myself When I first started traveling I thought someone is literally Flying me out And paying me money To come worship Jesus And for someone who wasn't raised in church This concept took me years to grasp I was like so wait a minute, you want me to come? You're going to pay all this money and you just want me to get on your stage and worship Jesus? And they're like, yeah. And then the Lord's, you know, you going to pay my bills to do that? That was my like initial, real like simple way of looking at that. And the pressure I felt in those early days, young 20-year-old kid, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to bring heaven. If I don't bring revival, I'm going to disappoint them, you know? And I think in the revival days, something I felt recently in the most, you know in recent days of the move of God I've actually felt this thing y'all where it's like you better show us revival because if you don't show us revival then what's gonna happen is I feel like I'm not you know getting my money's worth so show us a sign so that was part of the problem of this event oriented thing with Burberry Street. I feel like the Lord is trying to come he's trying to bring in he's saying look You're never going to build an altar by just going monthly. I've called you to build something that outlives you and that doesn't depend upon you, your gift or your personality in order for it to be sustained. You see what I'm saying? Because when we build things around our personalities, our giftings, when we build ministry around who we are, it, it will only go so far as that person can go. But a revival that's not founded upon a person or a gift, but by a, a priestly people, a group, a company of people. See, that move of God can be sustained in rest and not sustained by our own gifting. Makes yeah. sense. So I know that I've been witnessing the Lord pruning Bourbon Street, pruning us. Now, I'm going to have you go to John 15. and We're going to teach you how to John 15. Um, Typically, y'all. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna close up around you know 6:45 or so. We'll pray. We'll go into worship. So just bear with me, but I want to give some I want to give some language to where I feel like we're at right now. I feel like I have some clarity. I mentioned that meeting uh, about three months ago, where you know I was I was asking the Lord. It was a really dry meeting, and I left. And I kid you not, I woke up the next morning. I looked at my wife at breakfast, and I said. I'm not going to pretend that this is revival if it's not and I'm not going to call it revival if it's not real revival I don't care I'll sacrifice my own you know integrity over that thing like I'm not gonna like we named this thing Bourbon Street revival for better or worse because when this thing broke out if you were here and those that first even year year and a half you knew I mean Rachel, you remember doing the video that first night it broke out. There's people on this floor, half knew Jesus, half didn't. I'm laying on this beer-soaked floor for three hours shaking and trembling in the presence of God. You know, if you've had any of these encounters over the last year and a half, you know that like what what this thing looks like. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if it ain't that, then we're gonna rename the thing. You know, we're gonna we're just gonna I'm not gonna call it something it's not, and frankly, I've lamented. Calling it Bourbon Street revival numerous times because of the pressure of feeling like if it didn't live up to what someone in their own paradigm or mind thought revival ought to look like, if it didn't look like that, then we somehow disappointed them. And where I'm at right now, you know, I'm I'm gonna tell you this: some of my favorite people just walked in the room. This was supposed to be core group. We're already almost full. So um, yeah, (laughs) obviously, I think. You know, that morning when I was talking to my wife, I said, I was thinking, if this isn't really revival, let's just call it right now. Can we just call it? Because I can't take the pressure of getting up with the with the girl that just brought a $600 plane ticket that flew out here. I can't take the pressure. Any leaders in here, are like, can you imagine if it was like... Hey, brother, we'd love to have you come minister. By the way, it's a revival service. So if it doesn't live up to people's expectations, well, yeah. good luck. No pressure, though. Yeah. It's like that idea of like, man, I've got to, I've got to now we're entering into performance now. If it, yeah. and if, it, And now we're playing the tune yeah. of what it looked like before. And the, all, all the while, the Lord's sitting back. I feel just going, well, do you want to do what I was doing or what I am doing? Because so many of us live that way. We, we get an idea of how the Lord moved in a season of blessing, of fruitfulness. And then when the Lord tries to prune us, we we resist the pruning, man. We resist the pruning because we feel like there's no way this is the, 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 the reward for my obedience. Can I tell you something? So many times the reward for your obedience is actually the Holy Spirit lures you into the wilderness. Uh, yeah. Jesus, it says... Was actually full of the Spirit, and it said he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. How about this? Your reward for being fruitful is that God cuts you down, Ooh. down to the nub. Wow, yeah. Okay, let's read John 15. Verse 2 Jesus says this to us Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Simple, simple statement. If you don't bear fruit, take away. You know what it means? To pluck up and throw out. You're done for. It's over. But prune, he prunes you. He says, those who bear fruit, he actually cuts you down so that you can bear more fruit later. We never think, and by the way, let me just say this. If you've read John 15 ever in your life, you understand that. Who can bear fruit? Those who work the hardest? Nope. Who bears fruit? Those who do the most ministry? Nope. Who bears fruit? Those who have revival? Nope. Nope. Who bears fruit? The ones who abide in me. The branch cannot bear fruit on its own, but it can only bear fruit if you abide in me. Now, abiding in me means this. It means we live. To abide, to dwell. We actually live in the presence of God. So Jesus is saying, if your life is not centered around my presence, you actually can't. You can't bear fruit. I love this idea because you know how we do this in ministry sometimes? We say, well, uh, brother, that was a great ministry trip because there was, was a fruitful time of ministry. We say that, but I don't know if our language is quite right. Because here's why. I believe that we can have fruit in ministry, but our fruit is actually that which people eat from our lives because we've abided with God in the secret place. A tree doesn't bear fruit so that it can look pretty. A tree bears fruit so it can feed people. So I abide in Jesus. That's the only way I bear fruit. Now what does Jesus say? Your reward for living your life in me and being a faithful, obedient servant is I'm, when the season comes around, I'm cutting you down. Come on. This is a concept we've missed in revival. How many revivals have began and if you didn't burn out, the presence shifts. Mm. Wait a minute. How, I mean, guys, come on. Am I not? If you've been here, don't look me in the eye with a straight face and tell me you haven't been to Bourbon Street in the last six months and haven't thought to yourself, because I know you have. I thought the same thing. I'm up. Except the difference is you're standing there, but I'm up here leading worship feeling awkward about it. That's the only difference. You don't have to plow a foot, right? Well, yeah, you do. You got to sit there and watch me feel awkward about it. Because I'm up here, I'm up here singing to Jesus understanding. And thankfully, I have an anchor of revelation inside of myself that says that, Good thing that my worship is not predicated by how I feel, but how he feels. Thank God I don't get to judge worship on a sliding scale of how was worship? Worship was good. Why? Well, because I felt good. Oh, I didn't know that worship was about how you felt. Interesting. I thought worship was about how he felt. So I think that's got to shift. But frankly, if you've not been here in the last six months... You're kidding yourself, or you're just so caught up in God, I need some of what you got. So I told my wife, I said, if this is going to be this, if these these meetings that don't feel like they felt before, I'm shutting this thing down. Now I know all of y'all are like thinking, my God, boy, you are really wishy-washy, aren't you? No, I mean, I've just been carrying this thing. i going, I'm not going to pretend. That doesn't mean I'm not going to come. I wasn't saying I'm leaving the post of my assignment, which is right here. <laughs> but I was saying, I'm not going to pretend that we're hosting something that we're not. Guess what happened the very next night? Ryan, you remember this. M- my friend goes into a full-on open vision where the roof flies off the place easily top five worship moment of my entire life. I don't know if y'all remember that night, about three months ago. If I had everyone over to my house, and what did I say, Heather? I said, if this ain't revival, let's call it something else. Dude, we came in here, and it was like the Lord just saying, just so you know, I can do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. So before you start uh, assessing and judging how committed you're going to be to your assignment, what I've called you to do, by how you feel in that moment, let me remind you this has nothing to do with how you feel. Because you know what we said to each other very innocently? We all looked at each other after that meeting. I remember looking at Ryan and I said this. I said, now that's burden Street. Now tonight, that was burden Street." You know what I mean? Because we were all, if you were here that night, I'm telling you, I felt like, I don't know if any of y'all used to party back in the day. But you know, a good party is one you really don't remember a lot of. And I'm telling you something, that, now that I'm saved, I'll tell you what, when I led worship in that moment, the, the presence of God was so insane here. I literally felt caught up for two hours. I hardly remember much of that night. But it was like the Lord was saying, "Hey, this this really doesn't rest on how you feel. We we gotta." So I finally have come to this realization that Jesus has been trying to prune us, and that has been the reward for our season of fruitfulness. And who would have thought? Let me tell you this story. I'm in California. We're living in San Francisco, and we have this beautiful like garden behind our house, and uh, it was just. You got to love like, you know, the California weather because you can grow anything in California year round. So we had an apple tree in our backyard. We had a lemon tree. You know, we got a pomegranate tree. Now check this out. So they tell me this is a pomegranate tree in my backyard and it is very beautiful, but it doesn't have any fruit on it. You know, Um, by the way, if you know pomegranates fruit analogy in the Bible, the Bible always uses pomegranate to speak of fruit that just keeps on going. Because if you've ever ever eaten a pomegranate, you cut it open; it's not one thing; it's many pieces and seeds of fruit inside. It speaks of abundant fruitfulness. So I just love that the idea of that. Um, but I remember this tree was so pretty. Now my dad is a gardener. My dad's like a legit green thumb. You know, he's the guy that knows about horticulture, all the stuff. I, I know nothing. So my dad comes, he says, man, this is awesome. You got a pomegranate tree. Well, we had gardeners because, I mean, bless God, we lived in California, right? And if you knew what my rent was, you wouldn't think I was so bougie about having a gardener for our backyard. And by the way, if it was up to me, these trees would have died a year (laughs) in. So the gardener came, and I I remember, y'all, it was a beautiful plant, never had fruit. I remember the winter came, and... The gardeners chopped this thing to pieces I mean I'm not kidding you like all the beautiful foliage on it and the flowers that were on this this pomegranate tree were destroyed cut down heap of I mean it was just laying dying around and they didn't cut it like to where it still looked pretty they literally cut this thing down to like where it was nuts like this all the way up and down I was thinking to myself they killed the tree and I'm not exaggerating this is not like a preacher exaggeration I honest to God remember looking at this going man they literally destroyed the tree so my dad comes he's visiting us in San Francisco and he sees the tree and he says I said dad they killed the tree I don't even know why is it like rotting is that disease he said "No, no no they pruned it and I was thinking so that's what pruning looks like you took something that looked really beautiful to me and you basically just destroyed the whole thing Man, how many times in your life, honestly, have have you felt like, I've, God, I know I'm not perfect, but I feel like I've pretty much made most of the right decisions. You know what I mean? Like none of us are. And here's another thing that happens when God prunes you: you start thinking about what it was that you did that was wrong. Yeah. You start going, Oh, it's that hidden sin. It's that hidden sin again. Now listen, I'm not advocating sin. Can I just be real with you for a minute? You're a lot. You're capable of a lot worse than you even think you are. Stub your toe and tell me, you people who never cuss, and you about ready to drop one as soon as you stub your toe because you found out enough pain and you're capable of stuff you didn't think you were, right? Yeah. Okay, maybe it's just me. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I don't cuss anymore when I stub my toe. I pray in tongues. <laughs> I hit my shirt cutting up. Each <laughs> But honest to god like i really remember seeing this tree cut down and i just thought well it's dead it's dead and my dad um visited later and we were looking at it and this was the second half of the whole thing came about i remember seeing the tree man you guys would not believe literally six months after it looked dead and completely ruined it i'm not just this i wish honestly that it wasn't such a preachery thing to preach on because it was just incredible. I mean, hey, Jesus preached on it first. Take it up with him. But this tree was so beautiful. It was more, it was bigger, wider. It had more branches, more flowers. I thought it's 10 times more beautiful than it was before they pruned it. I mean, God does this in our life. He prunes us. And then the mistake is, is, is a few things. One, we either think, well, I've done something wrong. I have literally done something wrong because I was doing so good. I was fruitful. I was, I was obeying God. And now everything, all the increase we had seems to have been taken from us. And so we end up going introspective and we don't realize that the Lord is actually rewarding us. Mm. Or, as I said before, we abort the original process because we feel like, well, we must be done for. It must be over because there's no way there's no way that this could change you know when it comes to revival let me speak to you like this okay revival ends probably 99 percent of the time now I, I, i'm my theology's a little out on this but i'll just submit it to you for for discussion how about that i don't know that god ever intends for something he moves in the earth to end to something he bursts in the earth to end. I don't know that God ever says, I'm releasing something, but it's only for a season. I actually believe there are waves. Yeah. There are waves. How many, let's, let's break it down. How many of you guys have been in a worship service where there's, it's very chill, it's very peaceful. All of a sudden, it comes, right? Yeah. And you're like, wow. And then a lot of people will quit after that first wave, won't we? We go, man, great worship service. I mean, a lot of churches on Sunday morning—that's their M.O. If we catch one wave, we're doing good. You know what I mean? Like one wave, praise God. How worship was wonderful today, brother. Praise the Lord, y'all did it. Can we thank the band this morning? Praise the Lord. But how many of you guys have been in services where you actually linger until the next wave? I think revival. I think the difference between Sunday morning and a true move of God is oftentimes just waiting on the second wave. And not being sad. Because we linger. We linger and we wait. You know what? It's the same way you take that microcosm idea of one service and you extrapolate that over seasons and you understand there are seasons of great ways. And then there's seasons of pruning Where it seems as if nothing's happening. But God's just saying, oh, you don't know what's going on. There's an undertow sweeping under right now. I'm bringing something bigger and better. Listen, this applies to your life if you can be faithful to abide when you've been pruned. It's easy to abide when the fruit's growing and you're looking good, baby. Yeah, yeah. And I know the green room. If anybody knows the green room, it's Chris Burns. I got thrust into the green room. Frankly, quite against my will when I was twenty one years old. And I'm and I'm sitting there and I know how to mix it up, like, so brother, how's your ministry doing? What do you do? And we meet people and we do that, don't we? We want to know what's your ministry? Tell me everything you've done. And we so often slip into giving people our resume of all the great things that we've accomplished and done. And it's great to abide when things are going right here. But what are you gonna do when God kicks your crutch out from underneath of what you were leaning on yeah. to uphold your standing yeah. of look at me I'm a wonderful Christian I'm fruitful in ministry my family's wow. doing well what happens when God cuts back that thing truthfully because he's really just saying I'm cutting you because you don't see beginning to end like I do yeah. you're in love with the with the, the glory of right now but I'm concerned with the glory of 50 years from now yeah. we, we listen This is why we can't change cities, guys. We can't change cities because we don't have 50-year vision. We can't change cities because I'm too obsessed with my ministry than my son. I can't change cities because I need to get a hit song. I need somebody to recognize how, how anointed I am. Meanwhile, my son is not a part of what we're doing and my daughters and my children, my spirit, because I I got too much going on. Don't you understand? I'm in love with the glory of right now. I'm not in love with the glory of 50 years from now. Listen, those who can fall in love with the long vision will be those who inherit citywide transformation. Uh, Those who fall in love. With the glory of the 50 years are those who are going to inherit citywide transformation. but So here's what happens. In this move of God period that's happening this far. I, I have this last month literally had conversations where I'm going. Dude, it feels like everything that we've had. Including, by the way, the presence of the Lord is being cut back. And I've literally said to my wife at times in our team, I've gone, hey listen, what are we gonna do about this? Should we just should we should we just shut it down? Is revival just over? Are we done? Have we just see that mindset is why cities don't get changed. That mindset is why Bourbon Street's gonna stay the same as it was yeah. 20 years ago. Because yeah. someone couldn't say to themselves, you know what? No, 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 no. God is actually rewarding us by chopping us down and cutting us back. So if people want to know what I see for Bourbon Street coming, let me tell you what I see. I see God trimming us back down to what really matters. So will there be a full band in here for the next month or two? I, I don't know. It's very unlikely. If revival depends on Noah building on the drums, we're toast. Hmm. If revival depends on you feeling God like you felt Him in those early days, you know that's the ultimate hipster thing, isn't it? Oh man, I liked Him when they—I liked when they were. No one knew about it. It's too. It's too. Cor- it's too corporate now. Uh, it's too polished now. I'm gonna find the next thing. You know the problem with that attitude? The problem with that attitude, you're gonna live your whole life just chasing the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta go to the next conference. I gotta go find another church. I gotta go find another cutting-edge ministry to tell me something I already knew but couldn't move past the milk of the word because I couldn't sink my teeth into what God was trying to give me right here, right now, that was actually gonna change a city. Instead of just having revival that made me gave me some goosebumps for a few months and made me feel real good. We want movements. We want to be on the cutting edge. And I just think the Lord is saying, like, I just feel like the Lord is just saying, like, I'm looking for a people who want to have 50-year vision. Because what the Bourbon Street I see doesn't look like the Bourbon Street of today if we're going to reveal the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers, i got to stick my feet in the ground and say, this thing isn't over because it feels different than it did in the beginning. Right. Listen, anybody that's been married longer than 10 years will tell you this fact. Marriage changes the way it feels. It And listen, but it gets more beautiful the more mature we're able to receive it. The more, the more mature we're able to view it. And, and if we're going to do this thing, hey, we're going to have to marry the assignment and we're going to have to marry the land. Yes. We're going to have to marry the assignment and we're going to have to marry the land in a sense where we say, I'm just here. I'm committed to you. Do you know Jesus is called bridegroom? Not just because the church is his bride, but because he's faithful to the assignment on the earth, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. You think you've went through a few hard years? Ask Jesus about how his church looked in the dark ages. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Man, we see the scope of, look at the scope of history. Do you understand that from 1200 to about 1500 AD that the church was absolutely so insanely despicably corrupt yeah. that God had to completely reform the whole thing? Mm. People were literally buying their way out of hell, okay? And they were paying the church to buy their way out of hell. I mean, that was one of the things of the great reformation of the 1500s with Martin Luther that we saw. Ask Jesus if he gives up when things look bad for a few hundred years. He says, nope, nope, I'm here, I'm here. How about Israel? God's faithful to Israel in the 400 years of silence. God doesn't say, God's faithful to you. You think Jesus, when He comes and lives in your heart, He comes to the territory of... This is the most most prime piece of real estate on planet Earth. Your heart. Because whoever lives right here and whoever takes this territory changes the world around them. Uh, Kind of goes with the thing of the things we don't see affect the things that we do see. What's going on in your inner world, man, that affects every part of your life. I believe this. When we are having tough times, when we're struggling, the Lord doesn't say... Man, I'm out. This done. You're not really, you know, you're not really doing it like you were in the early days. Listen, the Lord pursues us to our very last breath, calling us back to the fire of first love. Here's what I know about Bourbon Street. God is going to bring another wave. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even get to the second part of my of my message. We'll have to go for that next week. God's gonna bring another way. Here's what I don't know. I don't know when that'll be. Here's what I, I know is very true though, is that what we're building here are not moments. We're not building moments. We're building legacy. Yeah. If we're if we're if we're most of the church today, oh I'm, I'm gonna say this and I just know it's gonna be yeah. rub'em wrong. Most of the church today prepares to please the people of God for moments on a Sunday morning. And because of that, wow. we have thousands of churches in despicably wayward, sinful cities. Yes. yes, true. I mean, we've got a lot of church, but the, tra- the culture is not transformed. Yeah. It doesn't look like heaven. Why? We've built for moments. Yeah. We've built for the Sunday morning experience. Come experience a wonderful moment in the presence of God. The thing is, there's a place for a, a measure of that. But if it ends there, we are missing it entirely. We've got to build for legacy. Yeah. I I would be amiss if I didn't share this story of proof with you because the truth is, you, you have to understand where I'm coming from. I'm not speaking about something that I've not seen. I'm speaking from experience. Listen, where we built in Southern Ohio for um, you know eight years, we gathered every single week Do you know how many weeks I sat behind a piano or a guitar and sang to an audience of one and nobody cared? Do you know how much, how painful at times it was? I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do it. It was hard. It was thankless. And I remember sitting before the Lord and just saying, Lord, it's all about you. I'm literally here to build something for you. Every song. Every prayer, every, every time we speak the word, and everything we do is building a throne for the Lord here. Do you know? In eight years, what I saw, I saw waves come of revival, and I saw seasons of pruning. Listen to this. I remember we had we would have waves of revival for like a year. And then there would be seven to eight months where it seemed like everything was was put, you know, taken back. I remember we were given a house of prayer and we had our own building. We were like, we have our own space. It's our own house of prayer to like build and and do things with. And guess what happened? We redid the room, we painted and we had all the new sound stuff and we did our grand opening of something we've been building for years. And you can imagine me, I'm asking everybody to come. Hey, hey, we got our own spot now. And I will never forget the first night that our grand opening of our new space happened. Guess who was there? Me and one of my friends. And even he got so bored, he went to the next room and made coffee. (laughs) He literally went and made coffee and I'm sitting there going, I am an idiot. I am a fool. Somewhere along the way, I have missed it. I mean, there's literally no doubt at this point. I've missed it somewhere along the way because... This is ridiculous. I don't feel one ounce of God's presence. I'm just singing to Him. And we had a thing. We would sing for two hours. It was just, you did a two-hour set. And we did two-hour sets every single week and sometimes multiple times a week. And I I was going to do my two hours. And you know... It was, it was in those moments I realized that we really built something. It wasn't the revival. See, the revival moments are the moments when it's like it's all fruitful. Everyone wants to come. Everyone wants to participate. And I don't blame you. I'm no different than you. I'm not super spiritual in the degree where I'm going, you know, I, I don't like those moments. I love those moments. But can I tell you where we're at right now? Where we are right now. We're in pruning. We're going to find out like where stuff really gets built is 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 right here. Yeah. This is when stuff actually gets built. This is when we're going to look back and say, mm, man, those were the moments that built something that couldn't be destroyed. You know, when we left our assignment there in Southern Ohio, I remember leaving and I said, we're, we had raised up over 20 worship leaders, sent them out. Some of them are all over the country. Many were right there. I remember... Um, watching a worship leader that I had poured my life into and he was leading worship. I remember watching him and I was just like, man, this guy, it's like, I could—I heard me and him. I heard my sound coming out of him. And that's what's going to happen here. We're going to raise people up that are yeah. going to reproduce after our own kind. Yeah. The other thing that's going to happen is you know, when we left Southern Ohio, I remember thinking this, I told Danielle, I said, We couldn't really find this. I had raised up another fella and poured five years. This is just so like the Lord. Spent five years pouring into this guy. Still love him to this day, of course, but poured my life into this guy. I mean, he like practically lived with us for years. And I thought I would hand over the ministry when we left to California to him. And isn't it interesting how that never works out how you think it's going to work out? Like the guy I poured my life into ends up going and getting a 9 to 5. And he just said, guys, I I can't do it. I was so discouraged. I thought, we're about to leave this work that we've poured every week of our lives into. And we had seen revival waves. I'm telling you guys, we'd have six, seven months of just, I'm telling you, you walk into the room, you ain't walking out. Mm. You're crawling out. Mm. You're crawling out. You're not, I'm, I'm not kidding you. We had pastors come who were pastors who would sneak in to our meetings and sit in the back and weep in the presence of God just because they needed to feel God. They needed to touch. They needed to be free. When we left, I thought, well, it's over. It's gonna have to die. That's just it. I I couldn't do it. God was calling me elsewhere. We had no one to take it over. Do you wanna know what happened? That thing couldn't be killed. It couldn't be killed. You know why? We had built something in the spirit founded upon, not hay, wood, or stubble, but upon the foundation of Jesus. It was on him, and guess what? When we left, people picked it up. And to this day, that ministry is the most fiery thing happening in our city. Listen, when we go back there, we literally pack out in a small town, hundreds and, is it not some of the most glorious meetings? We go back there to this day, revival is alive and well. The city is being changed, revolutionized. Same thing happened in San Francisco. We left thinking, Did I remember, I, I, I relate to Paul. I'll close, but you know, I, I relate to Paul. If you've ever read in the scriptures when Paul would say, I'm afraid I've labored in vain. You ever remember reading that in Paul? He said, I'm afraid all my work's been for nothing by how what's happening right now. Yeah. I have felt that feeling. Man, everything I've poured out seems to, but let me tell you what happens. What God begins, he's sure to finish. Amen. He who has begun a good work is sure to finish. Some water, some plant, but he will give the increase. There, God, nothing is wasted on him. Nothing is wasted on him. What's done is unto the Lord. He writes it down in his book. We think the Lord is going to remember the times when we were in mighty revival and you were getting slain in the spirit and you're having an open vision back there. But let me tell you what Jesus remembers. I remember when you gave a drink of cold water to the least of these. Yeah. What? When did we do that? Notice the righteous in Matthew 25 when he says, I remember when you did that small, insignificant prayer meeting and nobody showed up but you. And you're going, which prayer meeting was that? And he goes, those were the ones that moved my heart. <laughs> when you felt nothing, I felt everything. And when you were feeling everything, it was just another day to me. I wonder if we live from that place of thinking that when we feel like nothing's happening that's actually when God's most at work wow. I wonder if the meetings when we feel like man that was a plow how many times Noah have we went to the car and got in after Bourbon Street here lately these last six months and I go well that was different you know yeah. and we we'll, and, and and if we just say well I guess it's over. I guess the Lord's done with revival. Praise the Lord. Pack it up. No, 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 no. Listen, revival was never for the church to get goosebumps. It was for the church to change cities. We're never going to do it if we don't embrace pruning. It looks dirty. It looks nasty. That pomegranate tree in my backyard in San Francisco, such a prophetic home too because we the tree over our house, we moved from Ohio. Originally, you know, Ohio our really our home state and you know the Buckeyes are from Ohio the Buckeye tree is whatever well there's this beautiful tree over our house in San Francisco and we never knew what it was and even my dad the horticulturalist the green thumb himself didn't know what this tree was it was like a few months before we left we had some people outside in our driveway staring at our tree and I go hey oh um, see you staring at the tree what is that and they go that's called a California Buckeye tree. Like, it would be. It would be. Thanks, Lord. I remember that pomegranate tree in my backyard in California never did bear fruit. And I remember asking the Lord, I said, I didn't ask the Lord. I asked my dad because he, he, he gets back to me a little quicker uh, when it comes to horticulture than the Lord does. I asked my dad, I said, Dad, this tree bloomed after they pruned it, it's 10 times more beautiful. But I said, it still doesn't have any pomegranates on it. He goes, oh, well, that's because it's a flowering tree. And me knowing nothing, I'm like, what do you mean a flowering tree? It's a pomegranate tree. It should grow pomegranates. How else do you identify it? He goes, well, there's two types of trees, son. There's flowering trees and fruit trees. And many times people, it's female and male trees. Crazy, right? Didn't know that. It was news to me. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Fruiting trees are messier. So people don't plant them in urban areas as much because they're much harder to take care of. They're they're fruit. They grow fruit, but they're messier. See, the, the flowering trees, they just look pretty, but they don't make any fruit. And I was getting smashed by my dad. Who doesn't think he's prophesying to me? I'm Honest to God, like he thinks he's just telling me some boring, like you know, plant stuff, tree stuff. I'm like, well, yeah, son. I mean, it's it's a flower. I'm going, Dad. I just, I I don't I don't think you understand what you're doing to me right now. But wow. it made me realize, like, when it comes to what we do here at Bourbon Street, I cannot be in love with how it looks on Instagram, yeah. on Facebook. I don't care. And that's another thing, man. We've gotten into this place for the last six months. We got God starts moving. We pull out our phones and yeah. we start videotaping what God's doing. We can't even engage. The Holy Spirit's like, I was trying to anoint you for your assignment for the next two years, but you had to do a story on Instagram about it. Uh, Listen, man. All I'm saying, I'm 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 as much in using my phone as y'all are. But my point is this: I'm not. I cannot be in love with how it looks on the outside. You can't either. Because if you look at your life and you look at it and you say, dude, my my, my my life, I don't have the... I'm not... Look at this guy. He's changing the world. He's changing nations. I know enough big-wig, big-time ministers to tell you, it ain't all what it seems. Promise you. It's not all what it seems. So understand this. If you want to be a fruitful ministry, a fruitful tree... Listen, it's going to be dirty. It's going to be messy sometimes. It's not going to be it's not going to look good all the time. You're going to get pruned. But but I can't I can't do it any other way. This is it for me. This is it. So Bourbon Streets in this time right now, we're going to go weekly. We're going to we're shifting from event oriented. You know, um, another thing is I don't think community can be adequately built going once a month. I don't feel like we can develop There's people in this room right now. You will be speaking. You'll be leading. You're going to be ministering. You're a part of this thing right now. By the way, if you're here, you're either here by complete divine accident or because you were invited. So you are. This was actually shut off to the public. So if you're here, consider yourself a part of the team. You know, uh, you're you're either invited or whatever. So I just want you. And we're already full. I don't know how we're going to. I don't know how we're going to do this. I might have to have some people stay home and watch on the the live stream or fall out the windows or do something um, or get behind the bar or something. Um, But, you know, I I just, I feel in my heart we've got to go weekly because God is transitioning this thing from an event-based to to a weekly expression. We are not a church, okay? I want to be very clear, but we are the church. And there's a reason why there's no other churches in the French Quarter, there's a reason, especially why there's no other churches on Bourbon Street. you want to know why? Cause it's hard. Yeah. Cause it's messy. Because there's no money in it. Because we have no childrens. Our children's ministry is in the back corner. You want to see? Grab a coloring book. Make sure they don't grab the the. Uh, that's not water. That's vodka. Don't give it to the kids. Um, and um, we, we have an, our children's pastor is whoever's in the vicinity of the corner back there at the time um, please cover your children's eyes when you walk down the street always go in uh, pairs uh, if you're on Berber Street look it's not easy here but this is what we're if, if not us who else God's given us this place supernaturally we're not here because we tried to be Right. I asked God not to bring me here Uh I asked God to please not make me move to New Orleans. I'm so glad he did. Welcome home. I'm so glad I'm home. Yeah. I'm home, I'm home. You know, my inheritance is more than this stinky street and this wild, you know, insane bar. My inheritance is the people of this city. It's the least to the highest. It's the people traveling through our city that are going to take this fire back, that have already done that. It's, 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 a, it's a place we're going to build for the Lord. that's going to be around for 50 years from now. It's going to be here. Wow. And guess what? And guess what? It's going to be here no matter who's president. And guess what? It's going to be here no matter if America rises or falls. The kingdom grows. My heart is this. My heart is the kingdom will have a place on Bourbon Street. Amen. Next week, I want to talk a little bit about who we are as a ministry, about what we are. You know, I say we're not a church. We're, we're not. We're the church, but we are not. Um, we all have our local churches. But this is, this is my first love. Be Let it be known. Um, I believe in the local church, but I think this is an expression of the local church. We're not a parachurch ministry because we are not. In a church, we're, we're a pair of bar ministry. So we we are we are in a place right now where we're going to affect change. I believe God sown us like leaven in the very center of, of the lump of dough that is New Orleans to change the whole city. I believe Amen. that. I believe that's why we're here. The beating, bleeding heart of New Orleans that we could affect the whole body uh, and, and ultimately the nation from this place. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray. And then again next week, um, we'll be here same time, 6 o'clock. I want to tell you who are in the room right now, though, unless otherwise instructed, don't invite anybody right now because this is just a closed thing. Consider yourself in the underground church right now. If you've ever wanted to be in the underground church of China, welcome. The underground church of Syria or Iran, welcome. This is about what it feels like. We're really not allowed to be here right now, but we're gathering our core community to, to come together and, and worship God. and. You know, um so please don't invite people and, and let me also say, um, you know, please give. Can you fire that up uh, and give to what we're doing? We depend upon the core community. Everything matters. If you give ten dollars, give ten dollars to this. If you can give fifty, if God speaks to your number, give it. What and and by the way, listen. We've told you nobody's making money off this thing. We literally have to have money to do what we're doing to, to, you know, build this thing and continue it. It just costs money to be here. Plus, let me say this. We're going to, there's going to be times we're actually going to rent this bar out. We have to actually rent it out on certain special events, where we're going to have conferences here. And we're gonna, we are going to gather. The day will come, once again, when people will come in here and we'll gather the bar. I'm a little bit scared, though, because I'm thinking if we actually invited people, maybe we should just stop inviting people and let it be invite only because we're already almost maxed out with chairs now, uh, and, and it's... You know, we invite people. It's like totally different. So anyway, listen, I'm going to pray. Please give. You can give up here. Everything goes to Burm Street Revival. It goes to the poor. It goes to helping us build this move. I'm not going to make a big deal of it. That's just what it is. Give what the Lord puts in your heart. We're going to pray. And when we go into worship, here's this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to remind us. Every single time we're here, I'm going to teach on it. I'm going to help us give have language as an anchor for what we're doing. We are not here to just get goosebumps. We're here to give him goosebumps. We are here to cover this city in prayer. People are being shot in this city. People are, are addicted to drugs. People are lost. There are people in this city that depend on your worshiping right here, right now, so they can get free so that we cover this city in prayer. Listen, if you it, it's it's a nice gesture to pray from afar, and the efficacy of your prayers, I will not call into question if you do so. And I believe in praying from afar. But don't tell me there's not something about boots on the ground either. Don't tell me someone doesn't have to go stand in the middle of a mess and lift up the name of Jesus right in the middle of the mess. It's not good enough to sit in your bedroom and say God I pray you'd save the French Quarter God I pray you'd change New Orleans and touch all the people that are coming through Bourbon Street. Somebody's got to be here and there ain't nobody here right now but us. So we're going to build and we're going to stand right here and we're going to worship and pray. You're free to come and go as you please. This is honestly if you couldn't tell by now not a church, we're pretty unchurchy, but we are here to decree and declare over this city, to pray, to worship, to sing over the people, over the city, and over this nation. So, man, I just want to invite you guys. Back to life, yeah. the dry bones are coming back to life, oh,